I'm Denzel Muhammad, and this is JobMakers. The United States was and continues to be built by entrepreneurial immigrants who had the drive and determination to pick up, leave everything they know behind, and to build a new life in a new homeland. So it is no surprise they are twice as likely to take another risk, start a business. For John Derry, founder and president of the Center for American Entrepreneurship, a Washington DC-based research policy and advocacy organization, immigration is core to his mission to build a policy environment that promotes entrepreneurship because he knows this fact all too well. He's also seen across the country frustration among business owners at an immigration system that works against this country's interest. Why? Because it doesn't seek to actively attract or retain talent from the rest of the world. John sees the decline in U.S. entrepreneurship and believes that more immigration, not less, would power the nation's economy and innovation, which have made us the global leader. Instead, he's seeing an unnecessarily partisan and a toxic approach to immigration that, he says, harms us all and is inherently un-American, as you'll discover in this week's JobMakers. John Derry from the Center for American Entrepreneurship. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks so much for uh, uh, reaching out and inviting me to participate. So tell me a little bit about the center and the kind of work that you've been doing. When, why, why did you found this in the first place? So I spent the vast majority of my career uh, in banking and financial policy. I started my career at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and then spent, I was there for a decade and then spent 17 years at an organization called the Financial Services Forum, which was a financial and economic policy group. I was the policy director there from 2001 to uh, 2017. So I was there before, during, and after the financial crisis. But as we came out of the financial crisis, um, uh, even as the economy started to grow again, the Great Recession ended in um, the spring of 2009. So by the spring of 2011, the uh, recovery had been underway for two years. Um, but the economy was growing very, very slowly, and unemployment was still north of 9%. And there was a tremendous amount of frustration that you could feel in Washington. They had really thrown the kitchen sink at the problem policy-wise, but we just were not getting the kind of traction in terms of economic growth and job creation uh, that everybody had been hoping for. And you could sort of feel a collective shrug in Washington by policymakers like, you know, we don't know what else to do. Uh, and so I went to the CEOs and said, you know, we need to do something new and innovative uh, to come up with some new ideas to share with policymakers how to accelerate economic growth and job creation. Followed my nose through the uh, uh, through the research and eventually found my way to some um a research that that was new at the time, but was mounting and being uh, repeated, and there was a lot of excitement about this, showing the following three things. One, that uh, new businesses, not existing small businesses, but new businesses, startups, are disproportionately responsible for the innovations that drive economic growth and job creation in the economy. They um, So they're incredibly important from the standpoint of economic growth, also incredibly important from the standpoint of job creation, the two things that I was after. And uh, and this was the really fascinating part, that new business formation, you know, which is to say entrepreneurship in the United States, had been de in decline for four decades. 
And I and another colleague at the forum uh, decided to do something quite simple and profound, and we decided to hit the road, uh, travel the country, and conduct roundtables with entrepreneurs all over the United States. Um, uh, to get to the bottom of what was in entrepreneurs' way. Um, and that is essentially what we asked them. What's in your way? Uh, it was by way of a roundtable in Boston that I, um, I I think I met you and I met our mutual friend, Bettina Hine, who's now on the board of CAE. Um, and they told us. And, and uh, we collected extraordinary insights and data by way of that experience. We uh, conducted roundtables in 12 states around the country Nobody in Washington knew this. I knew that because I was from Washington and I'd never heard it before. Entrepreneurship was utterly not on the radar screen in Washington as recently as 2017. Um, and I decided we need an organization in order to change that. We, we need a group on the ground doing the day-to-day -day blocking and tackling of engagement and education and working with policymakers on that pro-entrepreneurship agenda. And so I decided to leave the forum and become an entrepreneur uh, uh, myself, uh, 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 Katie and I, my colleague, uh, uh, Katie and Alan, I like to refer to ourselves as policypreneurs. Um, and we started the Center for American Entrepreneurship in July of 2017. Entrepreneurship is a very American idea. It's not a Democrat or Republican idea. Um, and, um, uh, and, and the role of immigrants in American entrepreneurship, the importance of immigrants and the history of immigrants as great American entrepreneurs is a major part of what we focus on. You talk about this being an American, a very American thing. And we know this from, from our history, Levi's and Budweiser and Coors Bear and up until the present, Google and, and LinkedIn and eBay. Um, where, where, where exactly does immigration fit into your policy agenda. I, I, I know, for instance, that uh, during the Great Recession that you that you mentioned, the financial crisis, um, very markedly, entrepreneurship among the US-born dropped by almost 50%, and yet it increased among the foreign-born. What does that say to you, and how does that fit into your policy agenda? Yes. Uh, well, it fits into our policy agenda in two ways, both from the standpoint of entrepreneurs themselves, uh, because uh, 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 immigrants are entrepreneurial by nature. And when you say that, you know, people sort of squint up their faces like, you know, how do you mean? Well, when you think about it, to be an immigrant, to pick up your life, leave a culture that you're familiar with, your country, your family, your friends, often at you know, tremendous personal and financial risk and go to another country, uh, a new culture, often a new language, um, that is a profoundly entrepreneurial act. Uh, and so it shouldn't surprise us that once folks like that get here, they continue to be profoundly entrepreneurial. And in fact, the research uh, has borne this out that, that uh, immigrants are twice as likely to start a business as native born Americans. Um, and so uh, notwithstanding the fact that they represent about 14% of the American population, they represent about uh, somewhere between 25 and 30% of, of the ownership of small businesses. And when you look at um, high-tech startups, you know, scalable, um, high-tech, high-impact uh, uh, businesses started in Silicon Valley, as many as half of those businesses are started by immigrants. Um, so immigrants themselves are highly entrepreneurial. The other reason why it's so important to us is, is entrepreneurs of all kinds need skilled talent. Uh, and uh, one thing that we heard at the roundtables that we conducted around the United States is that there is a real talent gap or skills gap 
um, and this is particularly uh, relevant, you've heard this and read about it in the context of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, American colleges and universities simply are not producing enough folks with, with those backgrounds. Um, and so there is a skilled labor gap uh, in this country for startups and other businesses. And, uh, and therefore, there is great interest and great demand in foreign-born talent. And the very first piece of research that we published after we launched was a research uh, uh, paper uh, project um, by our, our research director at the time, Ian Hathaway, who's one of the great young scholars of entrepreneurship in the country, and found that 47%, sorry, 43% uh, of, uh, of Fortune 500 companies, and 57% of the top 35 companies were founded by either a first or second generation immigrant. So uh, immigrants, uh, the history of entrepreneurship in the United States is a is a uh, an astonishing history of the contribution of immigrants uh, to the United States in the U.S. economy. And, um, you know, the 21st century economy is the knowledge economy, it's the information economy, and it is going to be the competition for the 21st century is going to be won or lost based on human capital. And so it's one of the a, a, a realities, the unfortunate um, uh, aspects of this issue that um, um, the political issue of immigration and the way that too large of a portion of our population and too many of our politicians think about and talk about uh, this issue as if immigration is some sort of a threat to the United States, when in fact, as Ronald Reagan and, and, and uh, lots of other politicians in the past have recognized, uh, immigration is one of the great sources of strength uh, and, 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 uh, uh, and, and vigor and vitality and dynamism uh, of the American experiment. And, um, and we need to get back to that. You mentioned Ronald Reagan, who said it's at our peril if we ignore this 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 fact of of this vigor and vitality that immigrants continue, and it's not a new phenomenon. Let's make that very very clear. Immigrants have always brought that entrepreneurial spirit with them, uh, whether as entrepreneurs or whether as workers, and their children end up doing exponentially better very often than their parents did, and that's the whole point of coming to the United States. Um, what has been the the policy response, I would say, uh, from politicians, as you've done your work in the past four years? Too many people in the United States these days are of the view that the they think about the U.S. economy as sort of a closed sandbox. And so if somebody is coming in from the outside, then well, uh, within that construct or understanding of the economy, they are necessarily displacing somebody who was already here. Um, and that's, of course, not true. And the reason it's not true is that the economy is not a sandbox. It's this little it's a, a dynamic organism. It's living and breathing. And when you and when you uh, change the inputs into the economy, specifically with regard to talent or labor, there is an economic reaction to that. And there is lots and lots. In fact, the vast preponderance of research on both the right and the left into this uh, phenomenon of immigration uh, make very, very clear that the contribution of immigrants uh, to the United States is pro job creation for Americans. Immigrants do not take jobs of, of Americans, do not displace Americans. They create new businesses that create new jobs, new opportunity, new wealth for Americans. For whatever reason, that is difficult for people to accept. It's just too easy to think about the you know the economy in that sandbox, you know, sort of the um, a way. Uh, you know, most 
uh, folks are not um, uh, economists and they're, you know, they're not particularly sophisticated in terms of their understanding of the economy. And so it's a very easy topic to demagogue politically. And unfortunately, uh, too many politicians do that. Um, of course, it makes it easier when there are, you know, legitimate crises having to do with immigration, like what's going on uh, in recent months at the southern border. That is a legitimate problem. And the result is that the uh, our immigration system in this country is broken. Our immigration policies in this country are crazy. And when we do uh, roundtables around the United States, as we continue to do with entrepreneurs to stay in touch with uh, the issues and the and the priorities that uh, uh, matter to them, the issue that gets them the angriest and where they really literally pound the table is immigration. They just they can't find the people that they need. They can't get folks that they know that are you know are in foreign countries who are business partners partners with them who are starting companies with them or talent that they're aware of that they need uh, desperately. They can't get these people into the country in a secure and um, and predictable sort of way. And they and they they just you know for the life of them can't understand it because. Uh, uh, there is no understanding it. It's completely contrary to the interest of the United States. Jeez, you unpacked a lot there. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly that, you know, I I spoke to a group of journalism students from Emerson, and the idea of immigration being the southern border is paramount in the majority of Americans' thinking. They think of, of immigration, and that's all they can come up with, and it's so much more complex than that. So you mentioned that the, res- the response to, to, to your policy work has not been great. Uh, what Briefly, what are some specific policy areas that you've been working on? Um, startup visas, for instance. So we have a number of, 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 of immigration re- reform items that we advocate for. One is a startup visa, which I'll come back to in a moment. The other one is graduation greed cards, as far as we're concerned, for you know all the reasons that you're talking about. If immigrants who come here and uh, are educated at American colleges and universities um, want to stay here after graduation, why on earth would we require them to leave? That's our current policy, is that they're allowed in on a student visa, and then after uh, they complete their degree, we basically deport them. In the very narrow interest of the United States, if folks want to stay here of their own volition, we're not forcing them to stay, but if they want to stay here, why on earth would you not let them. So we're in favor of graduation green cards um, and other aspects of immigration reform. But back to the startup visa, uh, the United States is one of the few industrial democracies around the world that does not have a visa category specifically intended to re- uh, attract and retain foreign-born entrepreneurs specifically entrepreneurs who want to come to the United States to start their businesses and create jobs for Americans and contribute to the American economy. Our economic competitors around the world, and I mean many, practically all of them, in Europe, in Latin America, China obviously, have overhauled their immigration policies in recent years specifically to roll out the red carpet for foreign-born entrepreneurs, including our entrepreneurs. They want them to come there. Uh, often very generous, you know, free office space, uh, 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 capital, you know, access to capital at very low rates, um, uh, access to uh, uh, to mentoring and coaching. It's a, all kinds of benefits. Very, very attractive. Come here and start your business here. Meanwhile, the United States does not have such a visa category. Um, and so we think that's insane. And we've been working very, very hard 
uh, on on creating this special uh, visa category um, for years uh, uh, since we launched in 2017. It's been our it's been our top immigration priority. Uh, the good news is that um, uh, working with uh, other groups who are similarly minded and entrepreneurship focused, like the National Venture Capital Association, the Angel Capital Association, Engine, and other groups around uh, the country, we worked very closely with uh, Congressman um, Zoe Lofgren from California, uh, who back, I'd say about six weeks ago, introduced a uh, a bill that would create a startup visa. So the good news is that there is a bill in Congress now to create a startup visa. The bad news is, is that notwithstanding the incredibly hard work by us, NVCA, Engine, the Angel Capital Association, and others, we couldn't get a single Republican in the House to co-sponsor the piece of legislation, going back to what we were just talking about in terms of the unfortunate you know, political uh, dynamics around uh, the topic of immigration. Um, it is it is unfortunately where the GOP base is at the moment after four years of a president who, uh, you know, in my opinion, um, uh, talked about the issue of immigration in the wrong way, uh, that it has become politically toxic uh, for Republican uh, members of Congress to, to support policies that would uh, make it easier for immigrants to come to the United States, even immigrants who are coming here specifically in the context of entrepreneurs to start new businesses. That is absolutely fascinating that so many other countries are, as you say, rolling out the red carpet for people who want to start businesses. And you mentioned Bettina Hine, who is on your board. What a story that is. She founded an incredible business in Boston right here called Pixability. Uh, she explored every possible avenue, including the O visa, um, which is for exceptionally talented people, including Nobel laureates. Uh, she was able to secure that, but that visa obviously ran out. She's now back in Europe um, because she was not able to remain here. There was no avenue for her to remain here, despite the fact that her children were born here. She raised a family here. She started a, a business employing hundreds of people over several years. That's absolutely fascinating. Now, just get back to this idea. You know, obviously we're shooting ourselves in the foot, but how American is this concept of immigrant entrepreneurship? Can you explore that a little bit? Sure. Uh, well, uh, first of all, just let me say just very uh, quickly to sort of emphasize what, what you just said about we're shooting ourselves in the foot and 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 how our, our insane immigration policies, particularly over the last four years, um, um, have been a great boon to Canada. Um, there were more technology jobs uh, created in Toronto in 2018 is the latest data uh, than were created uh, in Silicon Valley, um, uh, New York City, and Washington, D.C. combined. And the reason for that is that when when the president of the United States talks about immigration and talks about uh, immigrants in the language that their former president talked about, it sends the message uh, to the rest of the world, don't come. Uh, and so they don't. And yes, Bettina Hein is a marvelous example of this issue. And I, and I just won't, won't, I'd love to tell this story just very quick. The, the round table at which I met Bettina, but there were two other people at that round table and, it, and this example was so vivid, I included it in my book that I subsequently wrote. Um, th these were two guys who were, were uh, roommates at MIT, 
as undergrads, uh, started a business. Uh, uh, when we met them, that they had graduated from MIT, they had just gotten their second round of funding. They had expanded their company from just the two of them to to uh, fifteen other people, and so they were growing. Um, and these two best friends from college, straight guys, were considering getting married in order to keep the foreign-born founder in the country because his visa had r- r- run out and he was about to be deported. I mean, I will never forget that story, that that's the desperation of these people. These two straight guys were thinking of getting married just to keep the foreign born founder in the country. I mean, it's a funny story, but but it's, of course, horrifying. Um, and, and, and I just tell that because it was the most vivid example to me of just how crazy our immigration policies are. But back to the history of immigration in the United States, um, you know, it's been it's been easier or harder over the course of our our, our history for immigrants to come here. Uh, but of course, there's been a very, you know, very important and very special part of our history here in the United States is the history of immigration. Um, the, uh, the, the you know, the great analogy of the United States of being the melting pot of of many people from all over the world um, with all their different ideas their their uh, their their various talents their languages the food the music you know the that that the american experience is is the melting pot of all of these experiences from all over the world and what comes out of that melting process is the secret sauce of america that's what Ronald Reagan, I think, was referring to and uh, in his great speech. The last speech he gave before he walked out of the White House was the importance of immigration uh, to the United States, not just you know the American experience and how we think about ourselves, but economically, how important it was and politically. And he said, if we ever lose sight of that, if we ever lose sight of how important this is to who we are, it is, as you said before, at our peril. What could be more American? Then taking in a baseball game on a great afternoon, having a couple of Budweiser's, a couple of hot dogs, and singing God bless America at the seventh inning stretch. What could be more American? It's hard to think of something more American than that, right? Baseball is a British game that came to the United States by way of Canada. The beers and the hot dogs are German. And the song, God bless America, was written by a Russian-born Jew named Irving Berlin. But the result, when you put them all together, these contributions from immigrants all over the world, you create something uniquely American. That's America. John Derry from the Center for American Entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for joining us in Jobmakers. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And best of luck uh, as you uh, advocate in Washington. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's great to see you. I'm sorry it's been so long. Jobmakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for this week's fascinating story of the benefits of welcoming talented and driven immigrants to the United States. If you have feedback or know someone we should talk to, email Denzil, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. I'm Denzil Mohammed. Join us next Thursday at noon for another episode of Jobmakers.